0: Pharaoh is resisting God's demand to let Israel go, and today we'll see God's response in the form of devastating plagues of judgment upon Egypt on The Bible Brief. God's timing is not our timing. The scope of his thoughts are so vast compared to ours that we can't understand why he would apparently delay something that seems so necessary right now. But in every moment of God's intervention in the world, he's thinking of all people, all nations, and the direction of all history. Because at every moment, God sees the end from the beginning, and he sees every point along the timeline. At every moment, God is timeless, looking into time and intervening for his purpose. His purpose, to bless the whole world through his chosen seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A seed who would come out of this nation of Israel. The nation who's away from the land of Canaan, enslaved by Egypt, with their Pharaoh rejecting God's demands to let Israel go. Pharaoh has asked, Who is Yahweh that I should listen to him and let Israel go? Well, soon, Pharaoh begins to find out exactly who Yahweh is and exactly why he should obey this God called I Am. Because today, God begins to show his wonders to Pharaoh. Wonders of devastation upon the oppressive nation. Wonders that demand a new course of action from Pharaoh. Wonders that demand, let my people go. Moses is dejected and defeated. After returning from his audience with Pharaoh, having no success in gaining Israel's freedom, and after being rejected by Israel as they saw their labors only increase due to Moses' intervention, Moses is distraught. It seemed that only he and Aaron still believed that God would deliver them. But it's in this moment of defeat for Moses, and for the Israelite nation at large, that God finally announces his action. He says to Moses in Exodus chapter 6, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive Israel out of his land. And later he expands on this to Moses and says, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staves. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Here we have two notable happenings in the narrative. God commissions Aaron to do one of the signs that he'd given Moses back at Mount Horeb, the sign of the shepherd's staff turning into a serpent. And despite this amazing sign to prove to Pharaoh that Yahweh is indeed God— we see that the magicians and sorcerers of Egypt were able to do the same thing somehow. It seems as though God's signs of confirmation are being counterfeited effectively enough that Pharaoh doesn't listen. And as it says, Pharaoh's heart was hardened. So we see counterfeit miracles, and we see the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Two themes that continue through the narrative as God unleashes his plagues upon Egypt. It's at this point that the real shift in the narrative takes place, because with Pharaoh's refusal to yield even to the sign of the staff turning into a serpent, God begins his acts of judgment upon the nation of Egypt. We read this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he is going out to the water. Stand on the bank of the Nile River to meet him, and take in your hand the staff that turned into a serpent. And the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over their rivers, their canals, and their ponds, and all their pools of water, so that they may become blood. And there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, even in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded. In the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile. And all the water in the Nile turned into blood. And the fish in the Nile died. And the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. But the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Pharaoh turned and went into his house and he did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile for water to drink, for they could not drink the water of the Nile. Seven days passed after the Lord had struck the Nile. This seven-day plague begins a cycle of intensifying wonders that God uses to judge the nation of Egypt, and especially to judge Pharaoh's obstinate leadership of the nation. And these plagues generally follow a pattern— First, God commands Moses to go to Pharaoh with a warning. Second, Pharaoh rejects the warning. Third, the plague comes. And fourth, Pharaoh reacts. In this first plague, the water of Egypt turns to blood. The water of the Great Nile River and the water in the basins and vessels of people's homes. All of it turns into blood. Imagine that happening just in your community or your country. Just take a moment and imagine it. It's easier to read it on a page than it is to ponder it in your mind. Wouldn't it be awful and fearful? Wouldn't you constantly be trying to find some water somewhere that you could give your family? By day six of the week, the whole community would be parched and close to dying of thirst. You'd think that this plague alone might move the heart of Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go. But no. We read that the magicians of Egypt did another counterfeit by their secret arts. And apparently, this convinced Pharaoh that Yahweh wasn't really behind this event. Pharaoh's heart remained hardened. As a result, the cycle continues as the devastation expands, with plague too. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs." The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house, and into your bedroom, and on your bed, and into the houses of your servants, and your people, and into your ovens, and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you, and on your people, and on all your servants. As you might guess, even after the bloody water, and after the threats of the deluge of frogs, Pharaoh still resists letting the Israelites go. So in Plague 2, God unleashes the frogs upon Egypt. Such a devastating amount of frogs that they come upon all the people, their food, their tools, and their beds. Inescapable numbers of frogs. Ribbets and slime of nightmares. Even despite another counterfeit from his own magicians, Pharaoh appears to crack under this pressure of the innumerable frogs. We read that Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses prays to God according to Pharaoh's statement, and we read, The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and in the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Note here that after plague two, we have an explicit mention of Pharaoh hardening his own heart. There's no ambiguity about it. He's actively resisting the command of God. This will be important to notice as we move on to more plagues. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. So they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Think of the gnats right after the frogs. We know that the land was already in a state of awful odor. The fish and other water-dependent wildlife had died in the first plague. The frogs had died after the second plague. And now, as if in response to the odor, the gnats arrive. Clouds of gnats descending upon all of Egypt. Gnats around every ear, flying into your nose and eyes, adding a subtle crunch to every bite of food gnats as uncountable as the dust of the earth. It's with this third plague of gnats that we see the attempts of Pharaoh's magicians finally fail. They try to produce gnats, but they can't. Surely now, Pharaoh would see that Yahweh was behind this plague. Even his magicians tell him so. But no, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen, even to his own magicians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh, as he goes out to the water and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me, or else if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and on your servants and your people and into your houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand." But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. With Pharaoh's hardened heart, even with the warning of the fourth plague of flies, he resists God's command. Even with the failure of his magicians to match God's power, Pharaoh will not let the Israelites go. And so throughout all of Egypt, except for Goshen where Israel was, God sends the flies. No longer was it the little gnats. Now it was flies. And the Hebrew here indicates that they were likely large horseflies. Flies that would bite and swarm upon man and beast. Swarms filling homes and kitchens and bedrooms. Inescapable flies. And here with this fourth plague... Pharaoh appears to crack again. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to Yahweh your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far away. Plead for me. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked, and removed the swarms of the flies from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people. Not one remained. But Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also. And did not let the people go. Despite the plagues of bloody water, frogs, gnats, and flies, Pharaoh continues to harden his heart. He continues defying God's command, and he keeps lying to Moses to avoid the continued effects of the plagues. Israel, however, is perhaps beginning to see the light. With this final plague only hitting the Egyptians, but sparing the land of Goshen, Israel perhaps sees that Yahweh, their God, is indeed behind these great signs and wonders. Even though they had rejected Moses, perhaps now they are beginning to see that God's using these plagues to do more than just free them from slavery. God is doing something great in history that means more than Israel's freedom. Because it's not just Egypt that will hear about these plagues. These great acts will make God's name known throughout all the earth, as everyone hears of the plagues upon Egypt. Join us next time as we see plagues continue to ramp before the final judgment upon Egypt. A judgment that will mean screams and wailing in every house of Egypt. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation. Dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023